listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hansel, the bookseller segment of the Skylight Books podcast series. I'm your host and podcast producer, Nicole Leski, alongside my co-host, Maddie Gobo, events manager. Events God. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie, how you been this week? Well, the past few weeks. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode. Yeah. As always, a lot going on. Yeah, uh, as we were saying before we began recording, um, everything's really stupid, and I'm feeling pretty dumb today myself. I like, I just, I was like trying to think of like thoughtful commentary on the new Mary Trump book and the whole sort of ecosystem of political books and the people who love them and how they don't really do much for anyone, but. They keep the publishing industry afloat. Uh, and then I decided I wasn't going to say anything about that because I wasn't <laughs> smart enough. And then here I am saying something about it that isn't very smart. So I'm probably, probably going to forget to edit that out. but <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. You can leave it in there. At this point, I mean, I am, I am on record in so many ways, like, just looking like a mess. <laughs> like, now because... <laughs> Because I'm running all these virtual events on Crowdcast, and Crowdcast automatically records everything. Um, so if you go and, and look at some of our replays, there are definitely a few where we start off with some major technical issues, and you just see my face like looking confused for several minutes. So I'm really glad that that all of that's in posterity, you know, for my non-existent children and grandchildren to appreciate. <laughs> It's okay, Maddie. Look, if you're looking like a mess, there's no hope for the rest of us. And that makes me feel like safe and accepted <laughs> in my in my messiness. Get down uh, in the garbage yeah. with me, Mick. Yeah, I'm here. I'm there. Look, the president's endorsing beans. Nothing matters. My my like latent nihilism from my like brooding teenage years is just like there's no stopping it now. It's just it's uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable at this point. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we don't have some moments of enjoyment and 
one of those is your interview that you did with uh, Eden Hain. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that before the listeners hear it. Yes. So uh, I reached out to um, this fantastic LA art space, uh, community space called Junior High Los Angeles. Um, we were supposed to do some events with them in the spring. And then we got shut down. We got shut down. Everything got shut down. Um, they've since lost their space, which was over in Hollywood, um, and they're now looking for a new space. So Eden kind of told me a bit about their crowdfunding campaign and their vision for the future. Um, I really, really love what they were doing um, before the shutdown. They were, you know, running a magazine. They had um, a little pop-up bookstore. They were doing all these um, community art shows and readings. I went to see a, a reading which I'll, I'll talk about in the interview. I went to see a reading there like really right before the shutdown. It was like the end of February. Um, and it was great and like packed and just, it was like this full house of like young, cool, queer Angelinos who were like, just like wrapped with attention, listening to poetry. Um, and you know, that is a magical thing if a space can can make that kind of community. And, and I really want them to stick around. So I hope you guys, listen and um, throw them a couple bucks and uh, you know show up for them um, because we're in this in this time now where the things that we love about our cities are are in danger and um, if we don't show up for them they will go away and but we you know the flip side of that is that we do have the power to remake our our cities in the image that we want and I think junior high is is one of those places that um, you know really really is vital to the literary and arts community of LA and and you know if if you want the literary and arts community of LA to keep thriving show up for them um I also want to shout out uh another really cool thing that I found this week um which is that there is a new black owned bookshop in the works um it's called the salt eaters uh, it's being founded by Asha Grant, who um, ran the Free Black Women's Library, which you should also check out. Uh, Asha is raising funds on GoFundMe. I think she's like 70% of the way to her total, which is fantastic, but you can help her get oh, yeah. all the way there. Um, yeah, we need 100. Yeah, so yeah, check out the Salt Eaters. Just uh, Google the Salt Eaters bookshop and you'll be able to find their GoFundMe. Um, and I really, I'm looking forward to that, hopefully opening up in Inglewood someday soon. Um, yeah, so there are, there are some really great bright spots here in our city. There are people doing the work, um, you know, in the face of so much stupidity and, and violence and, and terror. Um, and, and we got to, yeah, I, I don't know what else there is to do right now as a as a citizen of an arts community besides find those people and and give them your resources. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a lot because um, we need that. Uh, and yeah, if you guys know of a space maybe for junior high, definitely let them know. <laughs> yeah, I think they're looking they're looking over in on the east side like Glassell Park area, mm -hmm. uh, Eagle Rock. So yeah, yes, if you know of a space. <laughs> Hit them up, juniorhighlosangeles.com. Juniorhighlosangeles.com. All right, well, I'm pretty excited to hear that one. Uh, before we get to it, what you've been reading, Maddie? I've been reading Madame Bovary, 
by Gustave Flaubert. Um, I'm reading it very, very slowly. There's, uh, you know, my brain is shot at the end of the day. So I just read like two pages and then I fall asleep. But the great thing about Flaubert is um, just his descriptions are so luxurious and beautiful and can really, they can really envelop you in this nice way that makes it easy to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, you know, the yeah. book is quite dramatic and, you know, filled with passion. Uh, there's something very soothing to me about reading these, these long flowing sentences. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been reading that. And then I also am reading uh, this essay collection by Elisa Gabbert called The Unreality of Memory, which that comes out in August and we're doing an event with her and Brandon Taylor, uh, August 17th. So keep your eyes peeled for that because that's going to be a really good conversation. Anyway, Elisa's essay collection is, um, it's all about kind of the, the, the cultural moment that we're living in where basically our lives are being shaped by these enormous forces that we have no control over. Um, you know, there's all these slow moving disasters happening concurrently. And her essays kind of talk about the various ways that individual people cope with living under these forces. Um, she talks about mm -hmm. some really interesting ideas like uh, compassion fatigue, which is pretty self-explanatory, but basically where, you know, there's, there's too much um, demanding your attention and your, and your emotion in the world and, and you burn out. And this is actually a phenomenon that happens to healthcare workers and, um, you know, people working in war zones and things like that. But it also happens to people who are on the internet. All day. Um, she also talks about uh, conversion disorders, which are um, this kind of like broad class of psychological uh, symptoms and effects um, where basically a, a group of people um, have some kind of buried trauma and the, the fight or flight sort of response has been stymied. And so the energy from that response comes out in all kinds of bizarre and unusual ways. So for example, the Salem witch trials um, could be seen as, a, as an example of, of conversion disorder, all these people believing that they'd been cursed by witches when really they were probably dealing with the traumas of colonialism um, mm -hmm. and Puritanism and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there, there have been rashes of um, teenage girls in various high schools having fainting fits. Um, you know, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of like, strange strange outpourings of energy that happen in social groups um, that are kind of expressions of other things that have been sublimated. Anyway, so I, I just find, I think Elisa is like one of these cultural critics that um, is really able to write clearly about this incredibly confusing time. I find her kind of Sontagian actually in, in a lot of her thinking. Um, and I'm just really excited to, to hear her talk about the book and, and to hear other people's thoughts on it. So yeah, check that out when it comes out in August, The Unreality of Memory. Um, Nick, yeah. what, what about great. you? <laughs> what are you reading? Well, you know, I've been uh, moving apartments for the last week and I also went back to my full-time job uh, during the week. So a lot less time for reading than I had before. Um, but I think the, uh, the next thing on my list is going to be rereading The, uh, the Tao of Pooh. Uh, by Benjamin Huff, the classic. Um, I mean, talk about comfort food. It's just like wholesome ways to interpret the universe in a way that feels healthy to me. 
and uh, sort of like cope with everything that's going on, the stupidity of being at this moment. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, The Tao of Pooh is basically a book where um, the author Benjamin Huff uh, explains the, the concepts and tenets of um, Taoism, which is like a, a Chinese philosophy slash religion, um, through the work of A. A. Milne's uh, Winnie the Pooh series, um, sort of explaining how Winnie the Pooh himself is a a perfect representation of Taoism, which is sort of like this, you know, more, it's a pretty relaxed philosophy. <laughs> I think uh, it's accurate to say I don't, I'm not like an expert on Taoism, so I'm not gonna like try to explain something that, that is almost like essentially unexplainable to listeners, but uh, it, is something that makes me feel like things make sense a little bit and uh, um, I would recommend that to anyone who's maybe looking for a different way of looking at the world through the eyes of one of the most wholesome and adorable characters in literature history so uh, uh, yeah get that if you can but in the meantime we got an interview to get to Maddie yes so uh, enjoy Listeners, enjoy the interview, and uh, Maddie, I'll talk to you soon. Yes, indeed. All right. I'll see you around. All right. See you, Maddie. Hello there, Skylight listeners. Uh, welcome back to The Hand Cell. This is our Skylight Books bookseller podcast, where uh, Skylight booksellers talk to some of our favorite people in the arts and literary community, hear how they're doing, how they're holding up, what they're working on. Um, today we are talking to Eden Hain of Junior High. I'm going to give them their full introduction in just a second, but I wanted to say welcome to the podcast, Eden. Thank you for being ah, here. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> um, all right, so before we get started, uh, I just want to give one more plug for our virtual events that are happening on Crowdcast. If you check out our page at crowdcast.io slash skylightbooks, You've probably already heard me plug this, but I'm plugging it again because we have a really great schedule coming up for uh, August and I'm really excited about all these events and I really want lots of people to see them and listen to them. Um, so yeah, you can follow us on our page there. You, you, all of our events are free to attend. They're also free to replay. So if you miss one, you can watch it right there on our page. Um, full video, chat, everything, you know, pour yourself a cocktail, pretend you're there. Nobody will know the difference. Um, all right. <laughs> so. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest today. Eden Hain is an LA-born and raised musician, most often seen in SoCal's DIY music venues when we're not living through a pandemic, or chronicling internet trends as a reformed YouTuber and someone who's not quite sure if they're a millennial or Gen Z. I guess we can talk about that. Where is the cutoff there? <laughs> um, Eden started volunteering at junior high in 2017, but has been attending and organizing shows since the doors first opened in 2015. Now they are the space manager responsible for booking all local and touring acts, organizing volunteers, and occasionally copy editing the magazine. For more about their individual endeavors and hot, hot, hot takes, you can follow them at Eden Hain on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, Eden. Hello. That was <laughs> a beautiful so, introduction that I wrote and you read. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, I'm so excited that you're here because uh, we were going to work on some events together right before the pandemic and then we had to cancel all of them and I was really sad about it because I love junior high. It's such a cool space. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. Yeah, and I was like just really bummed. We were going to do a birthday party for Jenny Zhang's um, My Baby First Birthday with a cake. I was like so excited about that. But Oh, I didn't even know about the cake aspect. Now I'm even sadder that all of that got canceled. <laughs> well, we'll we'll reschedule it for, you know, sometime in the future. Absolutely. Um, so for our listeners who aren't aware of junior high, could you just tell them sort of what junior high is, what what you all are about? Yeah. So um basically, I always say that junior high is kind of everything and whatever you want it to be. We're a gallery, music, venue, art space, community, gathering uh, space that, um, <laughs> that, yeah, we just like want to be a, a place for people to gather and feel community and feel at home where they haven't been able to feel that way in any other sort of um, gallery, music, art space before. Yeah. Um... The last time I visited the space was for uh, a reading from the LA publisher, Not a Cult. Yeah. Um, which was so fun. And there was an art show up like in the room where the performance was happening. And you guys had just kind of started a little pop-up book stand with all the Not a Cult books. There was, yeah. there was like a lot crammed into that very small space. You guys were really making it, making it pay um, in terms <laughs> of community and, and, and arts um, display. It was just very yeah. cool. We definitely don't ever want to be like pigeonholed or seen as just one thing, just like a lot of people and artists don't want to be pigeonholed. Like, I always say that a show at junior high is like a party in a museum. Um, and I just think that it's just that little extra added flavor of intimacy and like connectivity that you get when you get to just like listen to, you know, rock music and be surrounded by like incredible art. Yeah. Um, can you talk also a little bit about the junior high magazine? Because I know that's something you're involved with and it's, it's very gorgeous. Like, and people yeah. are buying it. <laughs> um, yeah, we started the publication, um, in 2018, right? I think so. Um, basically, the publication is a way for people to take the junior high experience home with them and also a way for people to take the junior high experience outside of LA because we know that a lot of people who follow us on uh, on social media are not people who live in LA actually and it's people who need a space and who need to feel validated with these texts, with these interviews, with these images that they don't get to find that in something like Vogue or Vanity Fair or something like that like we really want to be able to like give people a um give artists the the full treatment that they don't get if they're not millionaires yeah I love that um can you can you give some examples of like your favorite pieces from the magazine recently I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot but if anything comes to mind yeah um we did like an incredible interview with Jessica Salgado um and it was between her and another poetry friend whose name I I can't remember her last name but I know her first name is Teresa and they both sort of came up in the SoCal um, Fairfax 
poetry scene together. And so it was just a way that they sort of were holding each other accountable in their growth, in their art, in their learning about activism and community. And when I was reading it, because I read the um, unedited version, just like the conversation between the two of them, I fully cried at like multiple points. Like it's just like so wonderful to read um, the perspectives of women that like, again, you really don't get to see in any other place. Yeah, I've heard Jessica read a couple of times at Skylight and also at junior high and every time it's I mean, it's like hard to describe this experience, but there's, she's able to create this feeling in a room of just like total like care and community. And uh, I'm, I'm very impressed by her as well. She's incredible. Um, so obviously the space had to shut down back in, in April or May, whenever that was. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell March. us? How- March. We closed in March, actually, yeah. Oh my god, it's, it feels like it's been both a thousand years and one minute since yeah. then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we talk a lot about how time is fake now, but it really, I really feel like I was just there yesterday. Yeah. Um, so how have things been going since, since that shutdown? What's kind of, what's happened in, to the organization and to the space um, in the event of all of this nonsense? Yeah, well, so we've been trying to make the best of the situation, and um, we kept the, we actually closed um, the space before the governor and the mayor advised us to, um, because we were seeing the concern that our volunteers were having and the concern that um, our, our community were having about the safety because the space is so small and the events we were gonna put on were definitely gonna be like packed out amazing events. So we thought it best to close down so that everyone had peace of mind. And then um, as time kept going on, we started realizing that it was not gonna be realistic for us to open up anytime soon. Um, And after three months of closure, Um, our landlord who was giving us uh, our rent for half of the amount that he usually was charging us told us that um, he was going to start charging the full amount again and we were just like we can't even open again like this is really difficult and like really unsafe and really putting us in a position that we don't know how to handle so um, we broke the lease Uh, and moved everything out and now we're looking for a new space so that we can reopen and trying to do our best to keep the energy of Los Angeles and junior high going online by um we haven't been doing the um virtual shows really uh, but we do have a book club that meets monthly and we've been trying to post weekly uh, or bi-weekly informational graphics and a bi-weekly newsletter so that people can still feel like they get the recommendations of things that they would not normally see. But um, we, tr- yeah, we're, we're just trying to provide that sort of like gap. So, yeah, this is obviously you've had to kind of rethink everything yeah um how could you like could you talk about 
how the kind of mission of junior high has changed or adapted over the last couple of months. Like, mm-hmm. um, obviously, without a space, I'm sure the top of the list is finding a new space. Yeah. But what are some other changes that that you all have gone through? Well, actually, I wouldn't say that any changes have really been made to our mission. I feel like the resurgence in political activity from the Black Lives Matter movement is just sort of like galvanizing our mission statement of like knowing that we've been doing this important work for many years and making sure that people feel safe and heard above all other things is like the key most important point and so in looking for a new space we're definitely looking for something that's still accessible something that's still affordable and something that puts our community first Hmm. um I saw also that uh, as part of this kind of ongoing search for the new space, you are also looking into um, some sort of like community trainings for the staff and how to like de-escalate and administer Narcan and all that. So I thought that was such a really an amazing goal. And um, I just would love to know where that kind of how that came about and and how you all have um, kind of developed that idea. Yeah, well, in all of the years that junior high was open, uh, we never called the police ever. Um, We definitely got emails uh, in complaint. Uh, We definitely got complaint emails from our neighbors saying that like we were loud and rowdy and they were gonna call the police on us, but we always thought like that was ridiculous and we were never um, deserving of that sort of uh, attitude because all we were ever trying to do was uh, celebrate our ability to um, be together <laughs> and the ideas that our neighbors had were just like I don't know <laughs> I don't I don't even know uh, what to say about that but basically what we want to move into a place that's farther away from like residents so that they don't have to um, feel like uh, Hold on, I'm so sorry. (laughs) My (laughs) Okay, cool. So edit all of that out. Um, Basically, in all of the years that junior high's been open, we've never had to call the police on anyone. We have always been able to um, deal with any issues one-on-one as a community. And also just everyone who comes to junior high is generally nonviolent, generally very loving, and generally very um, much so prioritizing safety and comfort. So we just sort of wanted to continue to not call the police unnecessarily and continue to deal with issues um, within the community when absolutely possible, which pretty much in every situation is possible to deal with things without the police. I've dealt with so many issues without ever having to call the police. So we just want to make it known to our community that we're continuing to dedicate ourselves to not relying on uh, the police. And then, yeah, my um, my dad actually has always been uh, has always um, ingrained in me the importance of self-reliance in terms of like first aid and CPR. And we understand that people do drugs and it's not our place to judge anyone or, you know, excommunicate anyone for 
that reason. Um, so we just want to be able to, um, if an emergency is, a, a, if an emergency arises, we can take care of that properly and um, safely. Yeah, I wanted to highlight this because I think, you know, as a venue space, it's really important that you all have taken this stance. Like, I think, you know, LA is, is a town of, of performance and, um, and all kinds of entertainment. But I think that because of that, a lot of the, um, the kind of onus of taking care of the community should also fall on the entertainment and performance community. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you are making a space where people can gather, you also have to acknowledge that, you know, there are, there are issues that people are going to bring into your space and you need to be, you need to be ready for those. Um, and you need to be understanding of those and not just like kicking people out. So, um, I, I think that's something that's really beautiful and unique about junior high's, uh, whole operations and mission statement. So just wanted to shout that out to our listeners. Thank you. Yeah. We always, you know, we see these issues, um, and we hear what people are saying. We really try to take, you know, people's uh, criticisms and advice very, very seriously. So when we see these things happening, we want to be able to put those things into effect and be able to practice what we preach. And not everyone is perfect as soon as they like jump into stuff. Like there is definitely a, a learning curve when it comes to being like a community space, but um, we just always want to be able to um, meet people where they expect us to be and um, not falter or be overly defensive. Um, so how you all had a mostly volunteer run staff, is that right? Entirely volunteer run. Um, the entire time we were in the space on Hollywood Boulevard, it was all completely free labor. Wow. Um, how did How did you all sort of transition like as volunteers through this shutdown so i i saw also on the um the funding campaign that you you want to start paying staff and you're raising money to start paying staff so i'm curious like could you give us a little peek at the kind of conversations that were happening among the staff um as as the shutdown happened kind of about transitioning from volunteering to to paid staff yeah so basically it for, for me, I always said that I would be doing exactly the same amount of work that I'm currently doing for no money. And it was um, Faye who founded Junior High, who was the person who told me to like value my work and value my labor and that she was going to start paying me very, very little. So it still felt like if I was getting paid like a normal minimum wage, I was still volunteering on top of that. And um, she said that she didn't want to continue to open the space uh, without being able to pay herself, pay me, and pay Sienna, who writes the newsletter, um, and a few other people who are currently still working with us, uh, a, a realistic wage. I still live at home with my parents because I live in Los Angeles where rent is extraordinarily steep. So, um, they telling me that like my value or my labor is valued is really important and we have to make this capitalist system work for us. So, um, yeah. How do decisions get made at junior high? Is there like, 
I mean, phase the founder, um, is there kind of a council? Do you all talk things through? Are you constantly in contact or are there a couple of people that, uh, that mostly do the operations stuff? Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways. I'm not even involved in every decision, even though it seems like I know everything that's going on. Faye has like this amazing ability to come up with a million ideas on the spot. I've sat with her in meetings where someone's like, if we were to give you this amount of money, what would you do with it? And she comes up with all of these incredibly detailed plans. And I'm, I'm always amazed that she just like has this going on in her head. Um, but then, yeah, so we have a staff of people who meet weekly and there's, there's six of us who meet weekly. And then there's also a board that we have and that's something like 10 people. So, and then also Faye just has like a bunch of different like artist friends. So she'll go, if we get like um, an email proposing an idea for, for a program, a show, an exhibition, um, she'll go and she'll talk to various different people who she ha uh, whose value or <laughs> whose insight she values um, and gets their take and says like, do you think that this is a good idea? Do you think this is a perspective that needs to be heard? Do, um, do you agree? Like, how can we help this person like make their idea a reality, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it, it's, it's general, you know, like community. There's like the six of us who meet weekly and then there's 10 other people on top of that. And then there's, you know, everyone else in LA who we've like featured in the magazine or who's like generally walked in the door. Just like, we're always trying to keep it, you know, community-based. That's great. Um, so I, I invited you on here to talk about the the crowdfunding campaign you all are doing. Um, can you tell us about that and um, also maybe some other ways that our listeners could get involved with junior high? Yeah, so um, we are crowdfunding $85,000 to try to um, secure a new location that we'll be able to open in 2021 or as soon as we are able to, you know, with coronavirus and everything going on. Um, we are, like you said, we're crowdfunding to be able to pay staff. We're crowdfunding to be able to pay um, volunteers. We're also crowdfunding to um, train all of our staff and our volunteers um, in de-escalation and in Narcan. And, um, yeah and we're also crowdfunding on top of that to be able to like outfit a space with you know a stage so that it's ada compliant and um so that it's safe and clean and um a place that people want to gather and continue to come back to and then on top of that so we're doing that for this month, but um, all year round, we have a Patreon that you can give to monthly and monthly donations are extraordinarily crucial. Those donations are what pays me and other um, staff currently, and also gives us an idea of what programming is possible in the future. Before we were only really able to book two to four nights a week, and when we reopen, we really want to have nightly programming as well as um, programming on during the day on the weekends. We really want to be able to be a fixture again when it's safe for everyone to come out and gather. 
I'm really looking forward to the, that time. <laughs> um, so if, if our listeners are interested in working with junior high, either, you know, putting on an event sometime in the far future or volunteering, um, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Um, so there's two emails that you can uh, reach out to. They're the longest emails on the planet, um, but they're both either contact or Eden at juniorhighlosangeles.com. So contact at juniorhighlosangeles.com or Eden at juniorhighlosangeles.com. Great. Um, could you tell us where y'all are looking for a new space? Like, I, I know it's probably very early, but. Yeah, um, we're still trying to keep it in like the general sort of East LA uh, realm. We've been looking at Glassell Park, uh, Cypress Park and Eagle Rock but um, just generally a place that is gonna be uh, accessible and affordable. That's great. Well, we'll keep an eye out for, for more news. Um, is there anything else you wanna tell our listeners about or any, any other uh, initiatives or programs you wanna highlight? Um, yeah, I just wanna say like, I'm really grateful for the spotlight that you're like shedding on junior high. We really rely on um, the mutual aid from our community because we've been applying for grants and for governmental loans. But like, as it's becoming increasingly obvious that the governmental loans are just going towards big corporations, it's going towards billionaires, it's going towards American airlines, instead of, you know, the little guys, like I'm sure you guys have been applying for these loans as well. Um, so we really, really need this money because the government won't give it to us. And we want to prioritize our community. We really want to prioritize the people of Los Angeles and the people, not even just the people in Los Angeles, but anyone who needs that safe space to gather. And we we can't stress enough the importance of um, Black Lives Matter and the Black people who are posting free resources for us right now, because like I said before, we are, we are taking everything in, we are listening, and we want to bolster the community and make sure that um, all of the hard work that's going on right now isn't lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I wish you all so much luck with this campaign. I, I really want Junior High to stick around. I think you guys are doing incredible work and that LA is so much better for you. So um, listeners, please give them your money. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am constantly finding new, um, new community organizations and, and initiatives that are worthy of support, um, but you know, junior high is is one of those for sure and and one of my favorite places that i've discovered since i've been in la and um yeah eden thank you so much for talking to me today i, I really appreciate it and i hope that um this podcast get helps get the word out yeah thank you so much and um yeah have a great day and stay safe and um wash your hands <laughs> oh eden before you go what is the the link for the gofundme Yes. Okay. There's a couple of links. You can go to juniorhighlosangeles.com slash donate, and that's going to redirect you to the GoFundMe. But you can also go to charity.gofundme.com slash O slash EN slash campaign slash JRHI. 
All right. You got, everybody got that? Did you write it all down? <laughs> you can play it back if you need to. <laughs> we'll put the link in the episode description so you don't have to remember. Um, all right. So once again, before we say goodbye, my guest today was Eden Hain, the space manager at Junior High Los Angeles. Eden, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. So long. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.